Well, dear listener, we've reached the end. It's that time of year when we all get dewy-eyed about all the finest gaming experiences we've had this year. A few of us will have started thinking very seriously about their top 10 as far back as October due to the sheer amount of games they've played this year. And then some of us will have been hard at it trying to figure out what games we actually managed to play this year and whether that makes a list of 10 at all, let alone pick out their favourites. As we did last year, this two-part show will cover our top fives and honourable mentions to keep you from dying of boredom and let's face it, we all love a cliffhanger. Each of us will publish our 10 to 6s on lapsgamer.com sometime after the new year when we're capable of putting our thoughts down legibly. So without further ado, let's introduce our Laps Gamer Radio 2017 posse, which includes of course the ever-resourceful Andy Pidieski, who's joining us tonight through the power of his baby monitor, seen as though he's lost his microphone. I'll get the ball rolling. My name's Kev Moore, and I'm on Twitter as at Kevney, that's C-E-V-N-I. Over to you, chaps. I'm Adam, Flameboy84 on Twitter. I'm Ali Cornwall, Cornwolf on Twitter. Andy, uh, Andy Piddy. I'm Mark at Damocles693. Hello, and I'm Stuart, at Saintly Stuart. Without further ado then, let's dive in. Number five. My number five is uh, Wolfenstein 2 The New Colossus. I only picked this up because it went half price on Black Friday. It wasn't something I planned on picking up, but I'm bloody glad I did. Um, <laughs> I know most people will probably think, oh, it's a dumb shooter, you shoot Nazis, and it's got stupid humour, but that doesn't do it justice at all. It's got some of the best like writing in a game ever, best voice acting. It has like it's very much about tonal shifts. It'll have very funny moments and then super depressing moments within seconds of each other. But yeah, the shooting isn't that great to be honest. It's not as solid as something like a Call of Duty or Battlefield or whatever. But it certainly pushes you. It makes you you get pushed on and want to keep going to the next story. But it has one of the best toilet jokes I've ever seen. <laughs> um, but then it also has like one of the best the most glorious death scenes it loves putting people's faces right up in your vision and like freaking you out and stuff it has the best courtroom in a video game ever there's some really good bits i don't want to spoil too much it has some great appearances by like historical figures a couple of which if you blink you'll miss them kind of so if you have any interest in shooters or like alternate history it's really recommended some of the stuff it says it's like satire you can definitely tell it's a bit on the nose about like Trump and stuff uh, the KKK are kind of bullied into being the Nazis whipping boys which is pretty funny <laughs> um, and then to sum it all up it has a really really good ending that sets up uh, hopefully they get to finish off whatever story they're trying to sell tell so hopefully it's sold well enough but yeah that's my number five definitely get on it I need to finish the first one first yeah same here <laughs> what from 1995 no no yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> my number five uh, and it's also uh, Mark's number five mm-hmm. um, is Horizon Zero Dawn obviously it's not my number one because it's not the best game but it's got one of the one of the best stories we've had this year it's it's fantastic looking game I guess the only disappointment thing with it is not everyone gets to play it because it's a PS4 exclusive mm. it's just a really really good all around game um, I've not finished it yet um, so that's probably why it's not a little bit higher up on my list but plays really well 
a really good storyline for what I've seen so far. I know you've you've completed it, Mark. Mm. Um, but just overall, a, a solid, solid game um, that came out. Was it summertime, something like that, Mark? No, it came out in March. It came it March. out three days before the Nintendo Switch. Unfortunate. Ah, and, okay. uh, three days before. So, yeah. So, also three days before Zelda dropped as well. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was an unfortunate position of being a big open world game um third person open world action rpg sort of thing at the same time as breath of the wild came out and um possibly people have kind of forgotten about it um a little bit although there's been that dlc that's come out recently um i haven't played yeah. it yet uh the frozen wilds or whatever it's called by dint of the fact that there are 60 million playstation 4s out there so it, there was a bigger install base already compared to zelda it's just the conversation was all about Zelda and not so much about Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, yeah, I, I loved it. Uh, I played the whole thing, got the platinum, kind of tempted to play through it again as well because so it's it was it was a brand new IP by Guerrilla Games who up until that point had only really really well they're only really known for the um, Kill Zone games. That was it. Yeah, which were have always been like technical powerhouses, looked fantastic, mm. um, but not played that well and had terrible writing, terrible stories. And Horizon Zero Dawn plays really well and has a fantastic story. And Aloy is one of the best, like, female protagonists, uh, best examples of a strong female protagonist I've seen in a video game in a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it managed to tell a really interesting sci-fi story without re- without resorting to cliches or anything like that. Um, like, the ending of that game is thoroughly thoroughly satisfying and even just just the moment moment of gameplay like uh tracking giant robotic dinosaurs and working out how you're going to bring one down and then getting into a fight with with um with something that's like 10 times the size of you and made of metal uh is just really really thrilling yeah fantastic game i'd highly recommend anyone who's got a ps4 who hasn't played it to to get on it yeah i definitely say something similar to the witcher but just on a slightly smaller scale Yes, in terms of um, size. As a as a point on that, actually, um, it's one of the few open world games I played where side missions they're not just like you know rubbish going fetch quests or character says a little bit of dialogue go off and kill things come back. They're actually like the side quests usually leads on to like a a full on story little mini storyline themselves with, with yep. brilliant cutscenes and everything. And Stu, I believe it was when we had Kitty on the show and she was saying about how CD Projekt Red had helped out um, Guerrilla Games with some of the, the quest writing. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, they had some input or whatever, so they did um, input it. Mm. And uh, that, oh, whenever we had Kitty on, she hadn't actually um, picked up a PS4 yet, but I, it yeah. was less than a week after that show she'd convinced herself because um, she got a good bundle, I think, at that stage. Yeah, uh, the revamped um, PS4 Slim had came out, and mm. a couple of places were doing that. Plus, Horizon Zero Dawn for two hundred pound at the time. So yeah, they learnt how to craft side missions from one of the best studios out there for that sort of thing. Brilliant, Graham. Yeah, um, at number five. It's just one that I recently played, having it a long time. Is Midway Arcade Origins on the PS3. Now, this game is a compilation of 30 plus games from that's mid- cheating. How is it cheating? <laughs> How's it cheating? Because you got 30 games, you got 30 games into one slot. <laughs> right, look, look, there's loopholes. That's careful, there's loopholes. Yeah. 
I <laughs> know <laughs> all about loopholes. There you go. So, yeah, 30 games. All right. Excellent value for money, right? It is. And providing the Laps Gamer community with excellent value for money. It features games such as Joust, Defender, Gauntlet, Arch Rivals, that's a basketball game, Championship Sprint, Sinister, Smash TV, Spy Hunter, Spy Hunter 2, and my favourite game on this collection, because it reminds me of I used to play on my Spectrum, but funnily enough, the Spectrum version was the more um, adult one, is Tapper, or as they call it, Root Beer Tapper, because it was changed. Whereas the one I used to play on the Specky was where you were a barman serving beer at a bar, trying to keep the customers happy, trying to collect the glasses, and collecting tips. And collecting tips used to end up resulting in um, women dancing, which would distract the customers allow me to complete the level and so on. Great compilation. You can get it on the PS3. Amazing. And I think Adam, you've recently said it's backwards compatible on the Xbox One. Yep, it's pretty cheap as well. You can buy it digitally for like $10 or something. So yeah, worth yeah. looking at. Yeah, worth looking at. It's got trophy support on the PS3. I presume it's got achievements on the on the Xbox One. It's got multiplayer leaderboards. Go for it. Okay, off. My number five is something that we talked about quite well and quite in depth and not too long ago, I'd say, about a couple of months at the most. Um, it's Miracle T's Ruya. It's a mobile game. Uh, it's just a, a wonderful... I would say it's a match three, but it's a much more than just a match three game. And it's kind of... <sighs> I don't know. It's kind of like a Tetris, but not. Um, you know, you've got to find your shapes and actually match them up. And it really does sort of sneakily hold your hand through, I would say, the first couple of levels and then just drops you in at the big time. It's just a really nice, relaxing game. Uh, it's got some superb sound. Um, we were talking to Enrico who did the sound, and he didn't just do all the sound, he did all the music as well. And the fact that he's actually researched it and made it binaural so that you can actually use it as a relaxing aid is quite something. It's definitely made it into my top five, so that's my number five. Yeah, I've played a little bit of it on the iPad as well, and it's just such a wonderful little game to sit down with for a little while. You know, just it's a really nice relaxing game but there's a purpose and a little bit of narrative to it as opposed to just yeah. being um you know like a an objective based sort of match three um sort of game what have you mm. yeah really really enjoyable i've been playing a little bit myself as well and really really enjoying yeah. it and, uh, and yeah. shout out to miracle t for being one of the few developers who's already optimized their game for the weird notch in the top of the iphone 10 screen <laughs> 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 it's one of those that just gets under your skin though yes um and it's funny because my daughter's addicted to it now and um she's just turned four and she's actually further onto it in the ipad than i am on my phone now which is quite embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> okay my number five is reasonably recent and by recent i mean 2012 <laughs> <laughs> it's the polytron corporation uh release of fairs um a lot of people will obviously know this from the indie game the movie um sort of little documentary um that was put together uh, which covered braid fairs and super meat boy as well so i've been playing fairs and needless to say it is absolutely fantastic well it all your opinion of Phil Fish aside, uh, the game itself is just a wonderful joy to play. 
it starts out as sort of a it seems like sort of a, a pixel-ish um, sort of 2D platformer and what have you. Um, but then you get the magical phase, which allows you to rotate your environment um, sort of through 90 degrees. So you actually get to walk around um, an awful lot of the environment and what have you, and you pick up little cubes. And there is just so much to this game. It's massive. I think I've barely scratched the surface of it. You can go onto websites, you can go onto the Steam community pages and things and sort of delve into the actual lore of it and how to get all the... Um, you start off collecting gold cubes and there's a fair selection of those. Um, each of the little cubes that you get, um, you need eight of those to make one big cube. Um, but once you've got all of those, then there's another set of anti-cubes to try and find and they're an awful lot harder uh, to find. I think I've actually picked up one or two completely by accident. Um, there's little puzzle things in it as well because you get to use like a telescope at certain times of night or just the environmental um, time within the game um, to discover little bits and pieces. There's so many little secrets and things. There's so many different paths to get um, through to different levels and things. And it is just an absolute joy. Um, the soundtrack as well is absolutely brilliant. Mm. It's just fantastic. Yeah, like I said, agree. The, the Disaster Piece soundtrack is one of my favourite video game soundtracks. And that's all I know of that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like so many. You have to break through so many layers of understanding in that game. So it's like, like you yep. say, you start off and you just think it's like, oh, this is this is a really interesting take on like a two D platformer where yeah. you can rotate the world. And it's like, oh, okay. And there's also this, there's these puzzles. And then, oh, and there's also loads of this really cryptic stuff, and it just gets more and more deep and complex. Yeah, it has um, its own language and everything um, yeah. that are sort of marked on little stone slabs and things that people have actually translated, and there's an awful lot of translation to do on some of those stone slabs. Yes. So yeah, the uh, the background reading that you could go into, it's not needed. You can enjoy the game just as it is without going into all the background stuff, but there is plenty there um, if you want to go really deep into it. Number four. My number four is Sonic Mania. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we finally got a Sonic game in a game of the year list. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> it's a long and time if coming. It, if it was ever going to be one, it would have to be this. Something that goes back to like its roots and ignores all the crap. Like we've also had Sonic Forces come out this year, which has a stupid like mode where you make your own characters and stuff. We don't need any of that nonsense. Mania goes back to what people remember Sonic being, but it's actually good. Like they've managed to make the controls actually be responsive and feel like you thought they were. And it's also a game that kind of follows a theme of this year, I think, by subverting expectations. There's a few like boss battles that are actually something really special. Uh, the Chemical Plant Zone one comes springs to mind. But yeah, they did a really good job of just distilling Sonic down to its raw basics. There's good bits where speed, and there's also, as people always say, our oh, Sonic's at its best when you slow down, and that kind of is true, but then if you go back and play like Sonic 1, it controls terribly. Um, but this is much more responsive. It looks really nice on all the modern consoles, runs at like 60 frames per second, doesn't have any of the annoying talking friends in it. There is a moment where one of them kind of shows up, but they're pretty, uh, or a couple of them do, but they're pretty dismissive of them. They don't get to talk or anything. So yeah, really good game. If you were a fan of Sonic back in the day, definitely recommend it. Or if you've never a fan of 2D platformers and you've always wondered what the fuss is about Sonic, it's definitely the time to jump on. 
If you're an old school fan, it has amazing remixes of all the old songs. They really went to town on it. So yeah, Sonic Mania, man, a solid number four. I'd seen it running at um, EGX, and funnily enough, it was on the same stand then as Sonic Forces. <laughs> okay. Now, oh, compared, God. yeah, <laughs> compared to Sonic Forces, Sonic Mania looked fantastic. <laughs> so it did. Yeah. Do you reckon someone at Sega was like, "Hey, hey, come on, come on! We can't have the only Sonic game to come out this year be a competent game." <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. My number four um, probably won't come as a surprise to people on this podcast and listening that it's a Lego game. Uh, so it's one I got for Christmas last year and been playing it a lot. Is Lego Dimensions. Yay! Um, <laughs> so Kev's slowly breaking us all down uh, to get in it. <laughs> it's just sad times now it's ending. But yeah, fantastic game. I uh, had so much fun with it and still I'm having loads and loads of fun with it. Just not had a chance recently to get it all out. But really, really enjoyable fantastic game the storylines are so much fun and there's just so much to do um mm. there's over a, a thousand gold bricks to get is that right kev probably 1019 <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> i've probably got four <laughs> um but i've done quite a few of the other little extra packs i, I think one of the f- most favorite ones so far is mission impossible just because it's it's loads of fun and i'm currently trying to plow my way through the the story add-on uh, of batman so that's the whole like big pack. But I've done a few of the other little side ones as well. So um, some of the Back to Future ones and, and whatnot. Um, and it's just one of those games that's just written really, really well. So it's loads of fun to play. And the extra characters aren't just there for a laugh. You actually do stuff with a lot of them. Um, granted, you'll probably find your own little team to play with. But yeah, it's, it's just a really, really good game. And I think you, there's a lot to get out of just the base pack as well. Oh, yeah. You get all your little extra bits to unlock and then you can go through it all again and and whatnot. And I think it's just one of those games that I've not put enough time into again this year for it to be higher up on the list. But I think it's it's sitting quite well at, at number four. Um, just a lot more packs to go through, uh, a lot more story packs and whatnot. But yeah, so that's that's my number four. My number four, I seem to have had a bit of a theme of Assassin's Creed this year, catching up on some games. Black Flag, Unity, and currently that halfway from Syndicate. But the highlight, I think the main highlight of the Assassin's Creed 2017 has been um, Freedom Cry. It encaptures the freedom of Black Flag with a stronger storyline. Freedom Cry was DLC for Black Flag, but it is available by itself and was given away on PS Plus this year. Features the second in command from Black Flag, I can't remember his name, but his own personal story concerning slavery in the Caribbean. Um, so in that sense, the storyline's more focused. It's short a game, but it still retains a lot of the elements of Black Flag with upgrading your ship. Uh, you can go around pirating still, but in a lot uh, more tighter form. Instead of the open wilderness of the other Assassin's Creed, this is just a tight storyline, ideal for lapsed gamers, and probably one of the best Assassin's Creed games I've played. That's been before. I still need to get around to playing that because... Um... Yeah. Black Flag was, it might have been tops actually now, but it was my my favourite Assassin's Creed game. Yeah. It is worth playing. It, is, it, is, it contains all those elements of Black Flag, but mm. like I said, the storyline just a lot tighter. I think, it's, I yeah. think the storyline is a lot more important. There's a lot more um, depth to it concerning slavery. The storyline in um, Black Flag was kind of forgettable. Just something, something, pirates, something, something, Blackbeard. Yeah. Well, this one doesn't. 
And like I said, I've said to you before in the earlier show, if you're looking to get into Assassin's Creed and you're not sure, you're a bit daunted, Creed and Cry, ideal way to get into it and see test the waters. My number four is something I picked up quite by chance, really. We got into a conversation at work with one of my colleagues and he knows about my weird taste, I would say, for odd Japanese games. And he told me about a, a game that had just come out sort of, I don't know, the end of the last year. and it's Yakuza Zero. And um, he says it's not just a straightforward action game, although it is that. Uh, it's also got some of the most bizarre stuff that happens in any game he's ever seen. And he's quite right. It's absolutely mad as cheese. It's so bizarre. You can actually go through the death of the family and you've been extricated and been shunned by your whole clan and then to sort of counteract all that glumness you go to a bar and sing really bad karaoke which is exactly <laughs> what they did in the godfather i'm sure of it yeah <laughs> um th- there is some insane moments uh you get to save a moonwalking michael jackson you've got to get one of your friends that's playing a statue to get him out of way out of the way of tourists by distracting them and saying look there's a ufo it is utterly utterly bonkers the story itself is quite expansive and very well thought out very well acted the graphics look fantastic if a bit sort of playstation 3 ish sometimes but that's not something to be knocked. But yep, cracking game, good plot. But then you start digging into the side missions and you can just disappear down that rabbit hole for about another couple of decades. Mm. So Yakuza 0, definitely number four. I've played um, a little bit of that myself. Uh, yeah. Nowhere near as much as I should have played. And um, <laughs> But yeah, some of the side missions are just absolutely ridiculous. Just, I, was, I was walking around... Camarocho just looking for something to do and then bumped into a bunch of like greasers. Yep. Have you done that mission? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. You find some guys who are in like they they call themselves Yankees. Uh, apparently in the the eighties it was like quite a big subculture in Japan for dressing like fifties uh, American greasers like leather yeah. jackets, big quiffs, and whatnot. Uh, and there were these guys in this punk band, but they weren't actually punks. They were actually quite well spoken and very shy. <laughs> and you have to teach them how to be punks, basically. And I, yeah. it's the most ridiculous little side mission, but it's just full of stuff like that from what i've seen yeah <laughs> yeah i've got um kimiwa is it mm. yeah the remake um, of uh the first one mm. yeah it's just completely crazy um but i've not sunk enough time into it at all as it may have snuck into my my top 10 um mm. but it's, it's a game that i need to get into because like you say it's just just mental yeah I've done the first couple of missions yeah. yeah, they're very enjoyable. Yeah, my uh, number four is a game that came out last year, um, but I didn't get around to playing it until uh, a couple of weeks after we recorded last year's Game of the Year show, and that's Dishonored 2. The first Dishonored kind of came out of nowhere and became one of my favourite games on uh, the previous generation of consoles. Um, it was a fantastic first-person stealth game um, set in this sort of uh, mystical steampunk world that had a little bit of like 
Victorian England and a little bit of, I don't know, something else. And a really striking art style, um, great story, but mainly that the, the stealth game play was fantastic and it kind of encouraged it encouraged you subtly to not be a murderous bastard and try and be as non-lethal as possible, which I always kind of appreciate in a game like that. Mm. Um, and the sequel kind of takes that and expands on it and betters it in almost every way. This time you can play uh, you can play through the game as either, oh my God, Corvo, that's his name, um, who was the character in the first game, or Emily, the daughter of the uh, empress that was in the first game. Um, and they both play very differently. Uh, they have very different uh, sets of skills. And so the way that you will approach a particular level will differ quite dramatically depending on which of the characters you're playing as. One playthrough took quite a while. And as soon as I'd finished it, I loaded up again and started again from the very beginning. I played through that game two and a half times in one week of just solid sitting in my pants in front of the TV. <laughs> like I could just couldn't stop myself. Uh, and I've gone back to it every month or so since then just to dabble in it. Uh, I am going to get the platinum in that. And I've already purchased, although not played it yet, the apparently excellent standalone DLC, uh, Death of the Outsider. I've got a horrible feeling that franchise is done because not enough people bought Dishonored 2. But if you like first-person games, not, not Kev, uh, and you like stealth you can't oh god no <laughs> then yeah then definitely not kev uh but if you like <laughs> both of those things then uh you can't really go wrong with dishonored it's it's like thief but better or it's like the order but better <laughs> <laughs> I, come on i yeah my breakfast was better than the order <laughs> hey don't not the order that was quite good i enjoyed that oh we're woking up now forget it <laughs> My number four is Space Plan. I have had kind of a love-hate relationship of a year with clicker games. Um, <laughs> I, I keep getting sucked into them for whatever reason. Um, so I have played this year um, Egg Inc., which is bearable, um, Adventure Capitalist, which is terrible, and Adventure yep. Communist, which is just as terrible. But... <laughs> Surprisingly, I now have a clicker game as my number four on my game of the year. Now, Space Plan was actually released this year in May. Um, it is developed and programmed by Jake Collins and published by Devolver Digital. Now, Devolver Digital, for anybody who sort of vaguely follows indie games, are always a good mark um, sort of, of quality um, for any particular games that they um, get around to publishing. I'll just read out the description that is on Steam. Um, the game is on it's on Steam and it's on mobile as well. So about this game, Space Plan is an experimental piece of interaction based partly on a total misunderstanding of Stephen Hawking's A Brief History of Time. You use <laughs> manual clicks and the passage of time to create and launch potato-based devices and probes from your nondescript satellite orbiting a mysterious planet. Unlock the mysteries of the galaxy or just kill some time in what the astrophysics community is calling the best narrative sci-fi clicker of all times. <laughs> Lots of them. It's just, yeah, it's just such a wonderfully daft clicker game. Um, and the even better thing is it has an end and yeah. the end doesn't take you that long to get there. I'm talking in clicker terms, you're actually only playing little bits and pieces here and there over maybe four or five days. 
Um, yeah, it took me like a week to do, and that yeah. was taking like some time out, kind of. Yep, it's not an awful lot, and it's just wonderful. And it just has such a bizarre, well, it has a bizarre middle, <laughs> which then sets up the even more bizarre ending. It is just a fantastic game. Also, I want to mention that the soundtrack by Logan Gabriel is absolutely stunning as well. It just goes so well with the game, and but it plays so well just as an album in itself. Currently on Steam, you can get the game and the soundtrack for £3.58p. Otherwise, it'd Oof. be sitting at about £4. Um, and it's completely worth it. It's, you know, it's a good clicker game. You're paying for what you're getting. And uh, I'm really looking forward to see what Jay Collins um, uh, ends up doing next. Um, but it is absolutely superb. I've bought it. I haven't played it yet. But I've got it on my phone ready to go. Oh, get on it. It All is right. brilliant. Number three. My number three is Super Mario Odyssey. I won't talk too much about it because I know we got it coming later on in somebody else's list. It's another game like Sonic kind of. It subverts expectations. You think it sounds simple. Mario can possess things with a hat and he's collecting moons, but some of the ways you do or go about all that stuff, super clever. The number of moons it has is bewildering. It's like 900 and something. Oh, my. Um but you can finish it with a lot less. It also has an interesting story, a little bit different. Bowser's trying to marry Peach. Uh, the <laughs> ending's pretty funny, even if I think the ending to it is a little bit like Sonic Unleashed, where Sonic turns into a werehog. That's all I'll say. <laughs> and it even has some shitty J-pop music. And the, the ironic thing is, I've had people singing its praises, and it's like, well, you weren't singing Sonic Unleashed's praises. Um, but a good game. Hmm. Solid number three for me. It probably be higher up in my list if i'd actually put any time into it but as it is it's about my number eight on nine um i've, I've just got a sneaky feeling that it's going to end up being another mario game where it, you start off and it's just wonderful and the further on you get it just gets more impossible um i would say it doesn't do that until after you've beaten the final boss and it's not as like super mario 3d world was a grind i thought it was horrible yes. how they made you get all those yeah. coins to, ridiculous because um, I would keep hitting like um, like a roadblock where I couldn't get through and I'd have to go mm. back and I always think you should be able to beat these games like as a baseline and if you want to go and get all the extra stuff then have at it and get the rewards yeah. but it's 3D it's one of the things 3D World got wrong mm. I think was blocking you off and making it was huge jumps as well I remember getting to Bowser's yeah. Castle and I needed like another 30 <sighs> so yeah crazy um, but I don't feel like odyssey does that um but yeah uh, it puts enough moons like in easy to reach places um yeah. in order for you to progress but then yeah. it's once once the game finishes and then the end game opens up and it's like oh now you've got to really go and look for the moons yeah mm. for sure i'm i'm the same as you kev i'm just there's been some monstrous games out there this year yeah um and i've just not had time to put enough into mario odyssey but it's very enjoyable I'll, I'll give it that. It looks brilliant as well. Oh, yeah. It, it, it just looks joyous. Like on TV or handheld, whichever way you play, it looks amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ali. My number three is South Park, The Factured Butthole, um, yes. which is uh, taking its time coming out. Um, but one of the funniest games I have played this year, and that's why it's so high up on my list. It's so much fun to play. The uh, the extras or the, the the changes that they've made in the combat system work really well. So they've done it as more of a grid base. 
Um, you can flank the enemies and you can uh, stand in between them. So when you hit an enemy and you've got a teammate behind them, you get like an extra hit off it. Um, but not just that, going into random people's houses and taking a shit in the toilet for a little mini game. <laughs> <laughs> you can't beat it. Yeah. Uh, um, and then you go into nightclubs and then there's uh, the lap dancers that are twerking in your face as their attack move. I mean, <laughs> what, what is there not to love? Um, the, the game is just really, really good. I've probably put a ridiculous amount of hours into it because I've been doing a lot of the side missions. I'm pretty close to completing it. I've just not had chance to to get in and, and, and finish it off. I've been trying to savour it a little bit. Um, I know there is some DLC coming out, which again is another funny bit in the game because they're all stood at a bus stop saying, I've been waiting for this since like 2015 oh, yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and just doing fart core and it's just funny. It's not one for kids, um, but whatever these days, parents buy their kids these games. We're not getting to that now. Um, but yeah, if, if you're a fan of South Park and you like, I guess, toilet humour and South Park humour, it's definitely the game for you because it's just so funny. Um, and it makes me want to go back and play um, The Stick of Truth. Um, but I'll, I'll finish this one off first and then go back to that. Did you get Stick of Truth free with it? I did. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's perfect. It just makes it <laughs> sweetens the deal, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, not not really come across any bugs or anything either. It's it's just been pretty pretty smooth. My number three was game finished end of last year, um, and the sequel has just been released on just in the last month or so, but it's Hand of Fate. Now, this is um, a mixture between what we, me, bar game, which you call a deck builder, um, and God of War. So, essentially, you're going around um, building your deck up, um, so have magic items, weapons, armor, um, you'll have some encounters in it. Um, and as you travel through these adventures using the deck, um, when it ever reaches something where you are fighting someone, instead of using through card screen, it will take you into a God of War type of game where you're actually um, a third person or action adventure. Um, really um, gripping in a sense, quite difficult. You have a, there's about nine different levels. Um, the dealer is a bastard, always mocking you, taking a piss. Um, if you decide to take the harder route, you get more rewards, but it is a fucking challenge and a half. Um, but I decided to go medium level, but it's fully, fully enjoyable. Um, especially if you love um, that type of, I suppose, I never played, but half-stone, half, half is it, type of thing, but mixed in with a bit of God of War. Let's choose a big heartstone, man. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, you should play it. It is on the PC, yeah, actually. Um, I have seen it, what have you, and it's just one that I haven't got round to having a proper look at, um, just because I'm always distracted by something else, and if I'm on mobile, then I'll sit and play Hearthstone. <laughs> It is, it is worth playing. I mean, if you want to take a look at it, mm. I think I did some videos for it. Oh, what's you doing it? Yeah. Mm. I, I like the art style on it. That was quite unusual. It was really good. Yeah. <laughs> One of the best characters, but bloody annoying. 
Okay. Now here's one that I'm just going to breeze through because um, I think everybody's waxed lyrical about it over this last year and everybody's going to be 11 stupid about it. So my number three uh, is possibly the greatest drinking game ever created and given to mankind. It's Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. My drinking game consists of me taking a shot every time I die, which means that I'm usually a blithering simpleton within about 18 minutes. It's fantastic. And that's it. That's The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, the best drinking game ever. Thank you very much, Nintendo. Right, uh, my number three is uh, Stardew Valley, another game that came out last year, uh, but I didn't pick it up until it came out on PS4 very late last year or maybe early this year i can't remember when it was i sunk a ridiculous amount of time into it and have started all over again uh and proceeding to sink a ridiculous amount of time into it now it's out on the switch (laughs) um so stardew valley is sort of like a mixture of animal crossing harvest moon zelda god so many disparate games crammed together um i mean the basics of it is it's a farming simulator sort of game uh in glorious like 16 bit 8 bit graphics i don't know which one of those mm. two it would fall under it looks more like 8 bit right 8 bit yeah um mm. and yeah you get you have like a daily routine you have to get up you have to um plant crops tend to your crops every day managing your like stamina meter it's one of those games which like if you try and explain what you do it sounds really boring because like the average day is like your character gets up you go outside you fill up your watering can you go and water your crops (laughs) make sure that the farm dog has got um water in its bowl go and clear away some some weeds or some rocks or something like that go into town do some shopping go foraging or whatever maybe on a day off you get to go into the mines and hit things um but it's just something about the the gameplay loop is just cripplingly addictive there's like a whole social element in it with like becoming friendly with the people in the town and all the all the different characters in the town have got very distinct personalities and it's help me out guys yeah, other people have played this yeah. as well. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so I, I held off getting it um, until it was on the Switch, um, just because I know uh, you've spoke highly of it before, Mark, um, and everyone Once else. Once twice. Yeah. 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 Um, and it just it's a game to me that would suit the Switch, so I waited to get it on the Switch, and yeah, I've sunk a ridiculous amount of hours in it, and I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> I'm just growing stuff, harvesting stuff, selling it, lovely. Um, but it's just... Really therapeutic, I think it's the best way to put it. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. I'd go with that. And yeah. it suits the Switch really well. It's one of those games that mm. if you're in the back of a car, someone can have a conversation with you and you can just carry on farming and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's on my top 10. It's not quite made my, my top five because I'm not sure what I'm doing with it, <laughs> but it's really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> I did try it for a while, but I tended to just end up collapsing in the middle of a field and falling asleep, so I just gave up in the end. Yeah. Yeah, you have just to, like real life, Kev. You have to overwork. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it's you have to keep an eye on that little uh, stamina bar. But um, Adam, you've played it as well, I, I believe. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. number six for me. Um, yeah. I've replayed. I also replayed it on Switch. I stopped playing it on Xbox when I heard it was coming to Switch, hmm. and when I eventually ended up buying one. 
Um, so yeah, between the two, I think I've put about ninety hours into it. Jesus, <laughs> and you don't <laughs> even realise you've done it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but a bit yeah. like Ali yeah. as well, though. I don't yeah. necessarily know some of the stuff I'm doing. Like, no, you can spend all that time not really achieving. Like, you're still achieving stuff in the grand scheme of things, not a lot. Mm-hmm. So I haven't been back to it for a while, which is perhaps why it doesn't rank as highly. Because um, I kind of hit a bit of a brick wall without. Uh, I don't want to like look up stuff, so then I've got to try and put more time in to learn more of the extra mechanics around, rather than just growing plants and stuff. Or like you can basically start manufacturing anything you want almost from like products. Mm. Um, so yeah, but yeah, it's a solid game. It must be if I put that much time in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's a fantastic game. It's it's an ideal game for a, for a lapsed gamer as well because uh, it's just kind of i mean there is a lot of stuff to learn there's a lot of stuff that you probably won't find out about the game unless you look it up on the internet where where other people have found out and put resources online like Mm. which is the best crops to grow in each season and whatnot and what's that weird moaning sound you can hear in the distance every time it rains and stuff like that but it's just so easy to get into um you can play it a day at a time or you can play it for 12 hours straight uh, and not realize and it's just oh, it's just great and it, it still blows my mind that the entire game was made and soundtrack was made by one person yeah yeah it's bonkers that um, Blood Sweat and Pixels book has a really good chapter on Stardew Valley about his how it took him a bloody long time and how he like battled depression to make it mm. like how his girlfriend stuck by him having no job and stuff it's well worth tracking it down yeah, I will have, definitely yeah. have to read that. Humanizes that story a little bit, kind of. Hmm. Stu? My number three is Abzu um, by Giant Squid. And this came out last year, 2016, and was the sort of semi follow up to Journey um, as the art director and what have you from um, that company then. Um, I think they split from Sony and um, formed Giant Squid. It's kind of hard to explain what Abzu is. You are an indiscriminate, possibly alien diver, um, basically swimming around various little oceanscapes, um, finding little clues, following little paths, and just sort of interacting with um, some of the bits and pieces that are around. What makes it impressive for me is just the ocean life that is there on screen um, in every little bit of the game that you play. It is just such a beautifully put together game and it's just an absolute joy uh, just to swim around some of the uh, the environments and what have you, just to try and discover. Um, part of the achievements and what have you is sort of um, there's little rock pools and what have you which release and new fish into the environment and what have you whenever you actually find them and so the achievements for um, opening up all of those and it's just stunning <laughs> so it is i will say that i did play journey for the first time this year and it actually only barely scraped into my top 10 just because i didn't find it as engaging or as beautiful to look at and play um, mm. as abzu that's a um, fair point yeah, the soundtrack is also stunning uh, by Austin Wintory. Um, it mm. is just brilliant. Um, but as a game, it is just such a lovely, lovely experience. You're talking playtime maybe four or five hours-ish. 
Um, so it's not a very long game, but it's it still is. longer than Journey. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but it is just beautiful, absolutely fantastic. I'm surprised that that, that it had more of an effect on you than Journey did, because because I, I was the other way around. I, I think Absy is a, a fantastic game, absolutely stunning, um, mm-hmm. beautiful to play, and it's just yeah, cracking game. But it didn't have the same effect on me as Journey did. Like Journey had such an effect on me that. I can get quite emotional just listening to certain songs from the the soundtrack to that game. Mm. Like Journey is one of the few games that's that's brought me to tears at the end, whereas Absy didn't have quite the same impact on me. Mm. I do like the end of Journey. Um, I, it's one of the few games I've seen the end of. That mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I, I do like the fact that it's not the end. If you like, yeah. I'm not giving any more spoilers away than mm. that. Really, See, <laughs> Journey sticks more in my mind because. Of the random players showing up. Yes. And I happen yeah. to have a... On my first playthrough, there's a bit where you're walking in the snow and you kind of fall. And as I did that, another player, like, jumped past me and span. And it was just <laughs> one of those moments where I was like, wow, I could let's keep going, let's go. And that's mm. the only reason I remember the end of Journey. Yeah. Whereas Abzu doesn't have that. I could, I loved Abzu, but I couldn't tell you what the end was. I've not got a clue. And I didn't even play it that long ago. <laughs> So yeah, so I'm not sure if there's a, some ways to go. I'm saying I'm not sure there's a lot to pick from it, but I think Journey does have some things that resonate a little bit more, did resonate a little bit more with me at least. They're both fantastic games though. Oh yeah, absolutely. Number two. My number two is uh, Resident Evil 7. So Resident Evil's kind of one of those franchises I've dropped off of previously. Uh, four was brilliant. We did that um, playlist episode on it. Five was so-so, and then six was garbage, and I've just not cared about it. But seven, they decided to like go back to the roots, say in a mansion. Brilliant graphics, like super realistic. Um, and the biggest change they made is they turned it into a first person. So kind of taking a leaf out of like Outlast and the amnesia games they kind of took that first person spookiness a bit like pt as well the silent hills thing um added the resident evil like inventory system and some of the light puzzle aspects like the first game had with fixing shields into place and stuff and just made a brilliant horror game the one to play in the dark for the atmosphere here it's pretty good in psvr as well it's a really perfect length. Like you're looking at maybe on a first playthrough somewhere between like eight to twelve hours. It's not too long. Uh, it has a very self-contained story, but then there is some stuff tying back into the wider Resident Evil world. So it'd be interesting to see where they go for a sequel. Um, and the only thing that possibly stopped, other than the fact that my number one is a great game, the only thing that kind of lets this game down a little bit is it has some like kind of awkward boss battles. Um, you're basically in a mansion of like a crazy family and you work your way through beating each other family members um, and some of the boss battles are just awful there's one where you're in like a, a abattoir I guess it is and you're pretty much defenseless and you're just slapping bits of meat around to try and knock this fat guy over um, and then there's also like an old grandma who has like bugs coming out of her from under her knickers and stuff and uh, that's just old age that happens just, don't worry yeah, yeah it happens to the best of us um, yeah that boss battle's just a bit rough um, but other than that brilliant game super atmospheric um, really good graphics some very uh, strange hair physics though like everyone's hair seems to sway like there's a constant like very slow wind machine on 
But yeah, really good. Is it sponsored by Timothy? Something like that, yeah. Trying Could to be. Part of their new products. Um, it also has, in the <laughs> middle of it, and the DLC, has a really good uh, like rip-off of the Saw movies where you're kind of trapped in a room trying to solve, solve all these problems to escape and it kind of puts you in someone else's shoes and shows you how to f*** it up and then you get locked in there yourself and you kind of realise how to solve it and then one of the DLCs is kind of based around that premise again of like these locked rooms that you're trying to get out of with ways that you'll die if you don't do the exact twisted order that the guys of the families come up with um, but yeah really good game highly recommended recently went really cheap and they also brought out a game of the year edition with all the DLC bundled in as well so yeah it's my number two. My number two, um, as well as Stu's, which sounds very weird, uh, is uh, Zelda <laughs> Breath of the Wild. Both playing it on different formats, uh, which gives you a little bit of a twist. But yeah, just a, a fantastic game. Uh, it probably would be my number one if it hadn't been for, for that, putting a lot more time into that other game. Still not completed it, but it's just so, so good. And you could just get yourself lost in that world for absolutely hours wandering around mm. seeing what's there getting killed getting killed if you kev um <laughs> we'll have to teach him how to play the game a bit better um but yeah there's just so much to do and i think it's another one of those games as well that's got fairly decent side quests and you just do what you want really help me out Stu. um well yeah again it's it would be it probably would have been my number one if i had a switch um i've been playing it on the wii u Mm. and as adam had mentioned earlier in the year it's kind of an odd fit on the wii u it was obviously designed primarily for the switch because there's no dual screen um on the wii u pad the way there would be with other games that you would expect particularly first party titles um, I'm convinced so, to this day that they did that because when they originally showed it, it did have dual screen stuff. So I'm convinced to this yeah. day they did that so that the better version mechanically wasn't on the Wii U. Yeah, I'm quite possibly. Um, but yeah, it's I've barely scratched the surface of it, but it's just too good not to have. So very very high up on my list. Um, it it is just fantastic. Yeah, my number two is Overcooked. Last year's. Multiplayer, four-player release. You are chefs trying to create various foods. It's normally burgers or um, wraps or a pizza. Um, hang on, and hang, hang people. On, you're underselling the premise. You're not just chefs learning how to cook. You're chefs <laughs> sent back, sent well back done, to well the done. 90s yes. to learn how to cook to beat the meatball yeah. devil. Was it meatball devil or was it by the onion king? Yeah, so you're sent back in time by the onion king to beat the meatball devil. Um, and you have to um, achieve a certain number of stars to unlock the further levels. So each level is worth up to three stars. And as you further go in the game, you will require like five stars, 50 stars, and so on to progress. Um, this is not a single-player game. The um, playing it single-player just would just be a dull, probably monotonous um, experience. But when you add um, two, three people, it becomes an absolute blast. Showing each other about Where's the potatoes? Where are the tomatoes? Yeah, I mean, we're having big, massive arguments with each other. The levels <laughs> do get very ingenious. There's, there's ones where the truck, you're on a truck, and the truck will split in half, so you have to make sure you're on the right side. Um, I think the space ones, if I remember right. There's just a variety of levels. Just, you're just not in a simple kitchen. It's it just manic, and it's nuts. You get four people around. 
It's the most fun they've had since Micro Machines. Ooh, it is. It is utterly fantastic. And yeah, it's it's it just. Yeah. I I've only I played it. Um, three people i have still haven't played a game with like four people together but it just descends into a screaming match of like oh my god yeah. the chips are on fire hang on hang on i'm washing up some plates oh we need to get this order out now and yeah it's just like uh how i imagine working in a real kitchen is what are you playing it on andy uh ps4 all right it's, the only problem is there's no online multiplayer so yes. i'm hoping, hoping there might be a sequel they might do online multiplayer. I mean, oh, I, the, I mean, the game is screaming out for online multiplayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can take it or leave it. <laughs> Most games, I can take it or leave it. This one does need online multiplayer because if you're a guy who's very lonely, who's got no friends, or can't get him around. Hi, yeah, hi, yeah, yeah. You're not going to get as much fun out of it as you would do. Yeah. You've got you know, so you're playing with it. And, and it's a bit difficult sometimes, even with my brother, to come around and play couch co it is. It's difficult. Like, it's tough to get four people together mm. on a sofa to play a video mm. game. Yeah. When, once, once you're, you know, unless you're a kid or a student. Um, so, yeah, if it, it just, it desperately needs online multiplayer. It would be, a, oh, it would be so much fun. My big number two is Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle, Please. which is one of the few games I've finished this year. And it's a Mario game, so I'm like double downing, if you like. It's a game that's really come out of the blue because I do not know a thing about Rabbids other than they are available on other formats. And that's about it. It's just a hilarious game which has so much life. It's got some of the best tactical games, I would say. It, it, it really does test you. It really does push you, and it pushes all the right buttons for me. Um, I do like to have a game that makes you stop and think, and you've really got to work out your, your tactics before you go into the battle. There's some lovely moves as far as how it works mechanically, because even if you are in a battle and you, you're levelling up your one particular character, don't panic because you'll still be levelling up the rest of your characters that aren't even on the quest. So you can, if you're hitting a boss that is ridiculous, you can chop and change your crew and they'll still be at a decent level where they can actually just step in and take on the whole thing. Yeah, you kind of have to do that as well because um, your HP yeah. doesn't regenerate between fights. So you kind of have to bring those other guys on so that you can <laughs> kind of wait until those guys have recovered. Um, yeah. So it kind of encourages yeah. you to do that and then... Helps you mix it up though, because it's going kind of almost got like a combo system, hasn't it? With how everyone can like work together and who can throw definitely characters can throw each other yeah. and stuff and all the sliding things. Yeah, um, I mean, who would have thought that Peach would be such a <laughs> badass bitch? <Yeah. laughs> the number of she times really like, does kick th- ass, and like the number of times I've had to throw her into like because when she lands, she regenerates people's houses. You just have to fling yeah. her up in the air to like to rescue everybody else. <laughs> um, that game gets bloody hard though. That final boss is brutal, oh, ridiculously. Like, it took me days to do it. Because there's just you can get wiped out in an entire round quite easily. Oh, very easily. Well, the the thing is with the final boss, it's not just him. You know, he's ridiculously hard as it is, but it's the fact that you've got something like eight waves of mid bosses first. It just seems like it's never ending. That that last boss took me, like you were to say, 
best part of a couple of days at least to finish. Just to figure it out. And there'd be times when I'd get to the second phase of it and then I wouldn't be able to get back to it for like another five times. (laughs) Possibly the biggest surprise of uh, 2017 for me. Really good co-op mode as well. Kev and I played it in the pub after EGX that we did this year. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it just holds up to us so well. And then with the Switch, obviously, you know, Set the main console a bit of a down on the table, take a little Joy-Con each and uh, just work away. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Mm. Kevin, am I right in saying that you've not played XCOM as well? Um, I've played XCOM 2. Oh, actually, I think I've still got XCOM on my iPad as well. Okay. So how, but, do, how does uh, it compare to XCOM? So I know a lot of people have said it's like a version similar to it. Is it? It's as brutal. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's probably less. That was the thing that was so surprising about it. It's like I went in thinking that this is going to be like baby's first XCOM. Um, <laughs> no. No, it's not. It's, it's really tough. It gets really, really hard. <laughs> yeah. Pretty quick as yeah. well. <laughs> it's a game I, I want to pick up. It was on sale, but it was the gold edition for 50 quid. And to me, that's not a sale. So <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I've not picked it up yet, but it's on my list. And uh, yeah, it'll find its way onto my Switch. I would have thought soon. It's great. You know, you don't have to have lightning reflexes or anything like that. You've just got to be able to think your way through it. So it's a, a really easy game to just take your time with, you know, and just sit back and enjoy. I'd recommend it for a lapsed gamer anytime. Um, as long as you've got about 300 quid to buy it via Switch. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, my number two has already been spoken about, but it's it's Super Mario Odyssey. I just want to echo what's already been said about it. It's every 3D Mario game seems to surpass the ones before. I mean, proper 3D, not Mario 3D World, but like a, you know, Hub World sort of 3D Mario game, except maybe sunshine people don't seem to like mario sunshine but they're wrong and this is this the best one yet yeah, I, I i by country mile i'd say it's it's just so much fun to play each of the worlds is unique enough in design although yes you've got like the desert world ice world um fire world or whatever but there's enough variety and enough character about them to make them just enjoyable places to be. It's absolutely stunning to look at. It plays beautifully. The, the music is fantastic. Some of the moons are so ingeniously hidden that when you find one, there's a real feeling of accomplishment. And um, <laughs> yeah, that that ending is kind of spectacular. Uh, also, some of some of my favourite boss fights in a 3D platformer ever. I think which boss fights? Not the rabbits. Though. Not the no, not the not the um, the wedding planners so much. They were kind of like well, it was the same fight over and over again. But some of the other ones were were genuinely brilliant. Um, and some of the designs were like this doesn't look like something that should be in a Mario game. Like there is a big dragon thing uh, oh, later yeah. on in the game that looks like it should be in a Dark Souls game. And uh, the boss that you fight in New Donk City is unlike something that you would expect to fight in a Mario game. But each one is kind of ingenious in in the, the way you fight it. The, it's uh, in the same sort of way that like uh, Splatoon manages to Splatoon and Splatoon Two manage to make the boss fights in the single player really really interesting. This does the same thing. Like you're taking your like general running, jumping, bouncing, throwing a hat mechanics, and creating ingenious unique boss fights around that it's yeah it's utterly fantastic i i can't stop playing it i'm creeping towards 500 moons uh and then apparently there's more of the game that unlocks after that and then i'm gonna try and get the full thousand well 
That brings us to our number one spot, and that's where we finish. <laughs> 